Welcome back to your favorite podcast. You know it. You love it. It's gold and silver. I'm Molly. I'm Chetty. And we have a lot to talk about. So first of all, we got to talk about NCAA national champions, UMass hockey, how they overcame a Minnesota stacked Frozen Four, as well as some retro jerseys, the Raiders and Islanders. They had their series. We have some thoughts. And obviously we are close to playoffs and we have a lot of things to talk about. And more. And more with this coming episode. Let's get started. So, first up is hockey, and before we get into it, we have a guest. It is our first ever guest on Gold and Silver. I know this guest very well because he happens to be my brother. Coming all the way from the same house as me, Charlie Golden, everybody. Hello, everyone. Hello, hello. Thank you for having me. <laughs> you're yes. thinking you're you are the first ever guest. How do you feel? Um, I feel um great. Charlie has heard the pod. Charlie's a fan. You're a fan, right? Sure. I, I, I haven't listened to anything. But... Charlie's a fan, and he has a lot to say about the Rangers Islanders series because we watched it together. Before we even get into that, let's talk about UMass hockey because they overcame and they took the W. So um, I yeah. actually um didn't really watch the game. I saw the ending, but I didn't really watch the game that much because I was playing roller hockey. So I did see that one very nice goal. The dangle goal, yeah. The, the toe drag was very nice. Very nice moves in front of that, but it just buried it home. I mean, this is a story you've got to love. UMass Hockey, 2016, they, they only made it to one NCAA tournament. They hired Greg Carvel. Then, three years later, he takes them to the Frozen Four. They're the runner-up. The next year's COVID, so no hockey season. Then the year after that, they come back to the Frozen Four. They beat three teams from Minnesota. Not one of them was Minnesota, I'd like to note. And they come out, and in the national championship game, they win 5 nothing. I mean, that's very impressive, and you've mm-hmm. got to love that story. This guy has a bright future as a head coach, clearly, because he turned this joke into a winner. Yeah, I agree. This is huge for like people from north the Northeast because we're looked at as, you know, because the Minnesota is the state of hockey. Math and UMass just came in here and won it all. They said, I mean, it kind of, like, if you're thinking about the way college hockey is, it's people from all around. Like, it's not just people from Massachusetts, but they, is the coach from Massachusetts? Western Massachusetts. Oh, okay. So that, that, that makes a bit more sense, but at least um, I'm happy to see um, a New England team win, though, in a long time, because they Minnesota Duluth was the two-time reigning champs, and UMass um, beat them in OT. It was nice, because when Charlie and I had season, tw- season tickets to Quinnipiac Hockey, and back in 2016, they made the Frozen Four, and they, and they made the national championship, and it and they were, and I think they played. They played North Dakota. They played North Dakota and choked it. And they choked it. So it was cool to see a team from North New England um, take it because we saw a team from New England choke it. Well, no, no, never mind. So now moving on to the Rangers and Islanders. Before we get started, I would just like to. That was just a terrible series. The first <laughs> game, they're not playing at well at all. They're down. Two nothing at the end of the no in the middle of the second period they score another goal okay fine the third period is their best period then then what do they do they they can't score a single goal they give up a goal and then they give up an empty netter they lose the game four one fine okay they're gonna come back well yeah they did and at the end of the first period they were up two nothing and it should and if not for Igor Shesterkin it would have been a lot more like four or five nothing <laughs> but then the Rangers come back and they score two goals so like what is that 
and it, comeback, and you're thinking, by the way, what? Good comeback. It, it it was, and and then you get to the third period. It's their best period. They should be playing well, right? No, they're not. The Rangers destroy the third period. They're lucky they didn't score. The um, luckily shut down that third um that third period. He was, and that saved the Islanders. Now, luckily in overtime, they were able to get something going. Ryan Pollock scored his first goal of the season, but that was not a good series by any means. They Besides, going he got into super lucky. Both um Rangers got stuck in the corner. The the other Rangers was about to go help, and the puck split out the last second. And yeah, it's just it was a wide open net, and he scored. I mean, yeah, it's like it's not by any means a good series for the Islanders. They did not play well. And they kind of rebounded okay, but then they went back to their old ways. Going into that series, they were first in the division. They gained a lead over the Capitals, and then they blew it. Like, they need to figure something out. I, I did like that Palmieri scored, and Zajac was playing good on defense, so that it does give a good thing to know that now they're getting into their groove and they're getting Honestly, used to the stuff. Really, um, the Rangers really needed that game. The Rangers needed the win over the Islanders to get their – to get, to get those three extra points and be and go and get a um, position ahead over the Flyers because this because these next two weeks for the Rangers are very important weeks because coming because tomorrow starts a series with the Devils and we need to sweep against the Devils to get higher into the division to hopefully pass the Flyers and eventually maybe pass the one thing I want to talk about the Rangers kid line the Rangers kid line they came they saw they got it done and everyone and the kid line just the the kid line. Victor Kostov got his first NHL point yesterday. The there's the Rangers, man. They're just so young. You see, what does that say? He he got his first NHL point. He was picked before Oliver Wallstrom. Let's see how many NHL points Oliver Wallstrom has for the Islanders. Honestly, I think Kostov just joined the team. How long has your other guy been on the team for? This season. So so he came there quicker. And his season stats, he has 16 points. What's well, that? Kostov joined the team two weeks ago. Um, Colin Blackwell is a great player for the Rangers. And I think he he's so is young. He's young, but the kid line is a line that the Rangers have relied on so heavily during the series. And they got the, the two goals, those were both on the kid line. The main line with Kreider. With the main line with Kreider and Panarin, they had opportunities. They just couldn't get it done. But the kid line got it done. It's Kreider. I think one of the lines. I it's Kreider, Panarin, and Strom. I think first that's line the, is. That's the uh, kid line? No, that's not the kid line. First I'm line. Like, I think the first line is Zabanejad. Oh, yeah. Zabanejad. Zabanejad, Bujnevich, and um, Lafreniere, which I don't. No, he's, Laf is on the kid line. Are you kidding me? Oh, Lafreniere, man. He. Okay. Laugh needs to step up. He's he's playing like crap right now. When when was he playing good though? I mean, he he got a goal against in the first game against the Islanders. I know. Go here. Like, where are the Rangers headed? What is their path? What is their like? Next five years, the Stanley Cup. Um, Stanley Cup contenders in next five years easily. Mm -hmm, Mhm. 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 They're they're rebuilding. It's it's the same old story. How are they rebuilding? A rebuilding team does not sign the top guy in the league to a seven-year deal with a no-trade clause. They trade away people at the deadline. The trade deadline has come and gone, and all they did was trade away Brendan Lemieux. The, which the front I, office which I don't does, believe was very smart. I don't think that was very smart. It didn't make any sense. Like, like what is the point of that? They're not, they have no path because they're going in different directions every five seconds. I they think need to, Quinn might need to get fired. That's... 
He, Teddy thinks you think David Quinn should not get fired. It, it, it's not his fault. You give him nothing and, and he creates nothing. You can't fire him based on that. For, personally, I don't think he should have gotten hired in the first place. They shouldn't have fired Elaine Vignal. They traded away. He should have away. stayed at BU. What? David Quinn should have stayed at BU. I mean, I guess he should have. The Rangers shouldn't have fired Elaine Vignolt in the first place because good. Exactly. They made the playoffs every year. He like did did very well. Then one year they're doing badly in the middle of the season. They trade away everybody. He's famous for making late season runs. And then when he doesn't make a late season run, you know, because he doesn't have a team, they fire him. It's ridiculous. One year you missed the trade in McDonough. The point is, I just like I don't understand what their path is. Like, what are they doing? They don't the front office. They, they have no idea what they're doing. The GM is in a hundred different directions. They need to take a path and stick to it. The, the trade deadline has come and gone, and they really have not done anything. They need to decide at the end of the season what their plan is. Are they going to be the team that is going to try to win now, or are they going to be the team that's going to be rebuilding, which is what I've been hearing. If you're going to rebuild, trying to get the first round pick. If you're going to rebuild, fine. That's one thing. Just do that. But you need to actually – stick to that and commit to that you need to trade away Crowder you need to trade away Panarin you need to trade them to places where they want to be because they have no trade clauses however you need to do that you need to stick to that get picks and actually start a rebuild no you- they should keep them they got to keep them and trade or maybe array um like um I don't think maybe anything just trade Blackwood for someone good the point is they're older and they're like at the, at the top of their game right now you and, and they're costing them a lot of money. You need to trade them away and get, like, picks for them. If you're going to have a rebuild, you need to commit to it. Or if you if you don't want to rebuild, that's fine, but you have to actually commit to winning. You need to sign people in the places where you need. Like, you need to sign a veteran goaltender who can play hockey in the offseason. He's going to be good. He's he's good. He's, he's he's really young, and he's good. But he but he can't be your only person. You, you need to sign a veteran with some experience who's pretty good Get flurry to like a year or something, sure. Flurry, somebody like that. You need to sign someone, you need to commit to a path. Are are you going to try to win now, or are you going to try to rebuild? You you can't be in the middle because you're not going to be going anywhere. I said this to Molly earlier. I said, The Devils are worse than the Rangers right now, right? Yes, and and she and she said, Yes, and I said, And I'm telling you, if the Rangers don't make a change in their game plan and, and they don't make some serious changes in like two years, certainly three or four, the Devils are going to be better than the Rangers. You know why? Because the Devils are actually rebuilding. They traded away the old people on their team that are good for picks. And in a few years, when that develops, that's going to be a new team. You think are going to turn out to be something good? Yeah. Who? You think Jack Hughes? Yes, definitely. It's just they have a path. The Rangers just don't. They're, like, going in a million different directions. They need to hire a GM who, like, knows – what to do, and they need to get a path and stick to it. They're in a million different places right now. I'm going to sign Panarin to win now. I'm I'm going to I'm going to trade Brendan Lemieux for a fourth round pick to to start a rebuild. You need to get a path and stick to it. You can't like half ass something. Mm-hmm. You you need to go wholeheartedly in one direction, and you need to commit that you might be losing a lot of games in the next two years because frankly, if you keep this path, you're going to be mediocre until you fire your GM and you start a new plan and then you just lost 10 years anyway. So yeah, I, th- I think they need to figure out their path. It's just, I agree. Like now that I'm hearing and I'm thinking, I'm like, my brain now is like kind of thinking now that like now when I'm listening to you and I talk to you about it, 
it makes sense. It's like, this is a logical thing for the Rangers to do. The lo a logical thing could be to trade away Kreider, to trade away Panarin, to simply maybe trade away. Players. Trade Panarin. Keep Kreider. Kreider's good. Keep that's Kreider. what I was, that's what I was telling Teddy. I think they're going to, they would, if the Rangers were going to trade somebody big, they're going to trade Panarin because they're more loyal to Kreider because I feel like Kreider has been on the team longer than Panarin has been on the team. Panarin's been on the team. Loyalty, schmoyalty. Are you going to trade away your team to rebuild or not? You started a rebuild and you, and you traded away your whole team, all your talent. You just like ended that team and, and you fired Vignold and, and then you're going to stop our, now and not complete it. In 2014, after their Stanley Cup run, exactly. That that was a top team that was making the playoffs. That was playing well for the most part. That was making good runs at the end of the season. A bunch of them were old too, but not that old. And you just got rid of all of them. And then Chris Kreider and and Artemi Panarin are now exceptions. You should get rid of the team if you're going to do a rebuild. Yeah, like let's as I was saying earlier, like you talking about it, it makes sense. Like trading away these guys. Now, when you're like watching the game and you see Kreider and Panarin trying to work together and they're working on the line, it's like these guys are helpful to the team. But when you're thinking about it logistically, it's like, you know what, this could also better the team in the long run. Well, I do want to talk about the playoffs and retro. So, yeah, I mean, that's just the, the way I feel. I feel like they need to stick to a path like like when the Islanders, they lo they lost to ours. They were like, we're not just going to give up yet. We'll we'll consider a rebuild, but, but we're going to give this a shot. We're going to hire Lula Morello and we're going to hire Barry Trotz and we're going to see what you, we can do. He's you good. know what? They were second place. They were first place, missed by one point. They made it to the second round for the second time since 1993, which was great. Then the next year, they made it to the Eastern Conference Finals for the first time since I don't even know when. They're on a good trajectory and that's because they found a path, they, they hired the right people and they stuck to it. Marcel and that is what they have to do. The Rangers need to take notes from the Islanders because I'm like hearing you talk about it. It makes like, this is what the Islanders, they have found the best path for them. And now the Rangers need to find the best path for them. Mm -hmm. Now let's talk about the playoffs because I've been thinking about this. It's weird this year. No normally you have like the two wild cards and things. It's not like that this year. This year it is four teams, the top four teams from each division make the playoffs. And then there's like seeding based upon that. Yeah. It's 1v4, 2v3 in the divisions. And then the winners of the divisions make it to the conference semifinals. And the it's Rangers not like conferences this year, though. If the wild card was still there, the Rangers couldn't make it. Not really, though, because it'd be like the Central would be the other division. And Nashville is doing better than like the Rangers. So it's all, it's, it's, it's a big thing. And so. So I have this graphic I just pulled up. If the playoffs started today, let's just only talk about the East Division right now. Um, it would be oh, yeah. it would be the Capitals versus the Bruins and the Islanders versus the Penguins. Which I do not want. I don't think anyone wants that. The Penguins. Ugh. The Penguins, they're a good team when they want to be a good team. And when they play the Islanders. Yeah. <laughs> but I think Boston and Cat Boston and Washington just played each other. And I don't remember. That was not a close game. <laughs> the Capitals destroyed them. Right. I saw that. I saw that. There was, it wasn't. Yeah. That was the first time that Deo Chara went back to Boston. And, and I don't like, and what I don't like about this system is that when you get to the four teams left, it's like the highest seed between all of them, like highest points and then the lowest versus lowest points. And then the two and the three. And I think this isn't fair. I, I don't know what a fair system is, but this doesn't feel fair because no that's how like 
the problem that I have with this in the conference semi in like the semifinals because there's not really conferences this year is that the teams haven't played each other. They've only played within the division so that when you have the seeding based off of that, you're good. Not only do you get a free playoff spot, if you're in a weak division, you're now getting home ice as well. So I don't know what a fair system is, but I feel like they should have tried to figure out a way like baseball to play interdivisions because that would have made this more fair. This, the points would have been more even, and then you would have been able to figure it out. And yeah, that's how I feel. I mean, now, maybe in the long run, it's all just for COVID safety. It, it is. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I'm not saying that they shouldn't be doing it like this. I mean, I did. And of, of course, it makes sense for reasons. I just say, like, that's a little bit of, like, a, a little sad the way the playoffs are going to work out. Mm-hmm. Moving on to retro jerseys. They based, I think they started league-wide this, this year. And so I, I, I like it. I like them for the most part. I like the old ones of the teams with like a long history. I, I think I they like look the Colorado cool. Colorado Avalanche one, the the Quebec Nordiques one. That, that's nice. I, I love the ones of the expansion teams and like the old teams in their cities. And and the Colorado Avalanche and the Carolina Hurricanes, their jerseys look good. My problem with them, it feels a little like what I don't like is it's like it's like using the logo of the of their old teams like from where they moved and it feels like like you took the team from the city and now you're using their logo and you're monetizing it but it's their team though yeah technically but it's still you're monetizing it just it's like if you're if if you're a whalers fan and then the team gets moved to north carolina and then you now see carolina wearing that w and and you're like you took my team from me that's that's not bad enough, but now you're like monetizing it. And it's the same thing with Quebec and Colorado. Still, but like, it's only the same team moved to a different area with a new name. That's only what well, it is. Yeah, I know it's the same franchise, but you don't feel like, oh yeah, it's just the same franchise. If, if the New York Rangers moved to Kansas City and they were like, we're now going to be the Kansas City Tornadoes, you wouldn't be like, oh, it's just the same team. It's no big deal. Yeah, if they have, they have the same players, it would feel like it. But you wouldn't be a fan of that team. Also, eventually the players go away. They, they move like 20 years ago. None of the same players are there. It's just, I, I don't know, something about it I don't like. Yeah, I get it. But obviously, I I mean, you know, it's the Rangers jersey is very cool. It's the Lady Liberty jersey. We haven't seen that jersey in a very long time. Which, honestly, they didn't steal it from anyone. It was their jersey. It was their jersey. They haven't worn yeah. it in a while. And now they're back to wearing it. I think my favorite is the, I mean, I, I, I like the Golden Knights one, and I also like the Wild, the wild one because it has the North Stars what? colors. No. I like, I mean, no. I, my, my favorite I one. have a soft spot for the Anaheim one because, Charlie, I grew up watching the Mighty Ducks movies, and seeing that is, like, really cool. Like, I'm that's, sorry. like, that's your, like, they're I'm wearing sorry. your childhood. Yeah, I my my top three are Rangers three, um Colorado two and actually no Kings two Colorado one. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I really like the Kings because like pre Wayne Gretzky, I like the purple and yellow. But cool. I just Colorado and Carolina. I just wait. My top three are Anaheim, Carolina, and Rangers. Carolina probably my four. So thank you for listening to this part. Now we're going to be back with baseball and another guest.
So we're at baseball now, and we have a different guest. So our guest for baseball is Molly Cohen, and we know her from camp. So let's get into it. So let's start. Yes, we're both named Molly. Yes, we've dealt. Yes, we grew up with that. Yes. (laughs) In In Crane Lake Camp World, I'm referred to as Molly G. Everyone meet Molly C. I am going to start with my... Mets. Okay, so their bullpen, it's, it, it's been a joke. It's the same old story. They've been doing the same thing since as long as I can remember. The, the starting pitching pitches well, and then they blow it. First game, DeGrom gives up zero runs. The Mets have a 2 nothing lead in the eighth inning. Then all of a sudden, they give up like five runs. Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Next game, the Mets muster up a win, but the bullpen still gives up two runs. Third game, they lose. Again, that was not the bullpen's fault. In, in a way, it was, but they started off badly anyway. Then the bullpen actually saved them against the Marlins. Starting pitcher gave up two runs. Then the Mets stuck with it because the bullpen didn't give up any runs. And then they were able to get to a place where they were still in it. And then in the ninth inning, they came back and they won. Then the next game, DeGrom gives up one run. One run. And then the bullpen blew it. Not that it was a win already, but they were in the game. And then it took them out of the game, preventing them realistically from having a chance at winning. It, 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 it has not been good. And this is nothing new, but they need to figure it out. Maybe one of these days they should sign a top bullpen person that has proven themselves time and time again, because this is just getting old. Mm-hmm. Another letdown for the Mets. every year. Like, it's yeah. not different. Another letdown for the Mets. Lindor, his batting average is under 200 right now. I know we're like five games into the season, but that guy has to start heating up. He's being paid a lot of money. He is not being, he's, he's being paid delivering. too much money yeah. to hit. Okay. He needs to be right. And he has well. a 10 year contract. The fact that he's not playing well isn't going to do anything for his contract. Mm-hmm. I know. Had I'm saying opportunities to step up and, um, mm-hmm. Get a, you know, get on base, get some hits, get an RBI, but he doesn't deliver. He has, he's been given the opportunities, but he doesn't. But he doesn't do it. He doesn't, he doesn't seal the deal. We're five games in. Let's see what he can do. Okay. So what do you guys think about all of this? I think the bullpen for the Mets like needs to step up and win. And also with Lindor, like he needs to just, you know, like Teddy said, he's being paid a lot of money and has a huge contract and just needs to step it up and actually like hit the balls and not just slack off and not get on base. I wouldn't say it's slacking, but he has to get out of whatever he's going through. This is not just like get on, yeah, like get on base and not. One of the things I want to talk about was, um, the Mets opener when Jacob DeGrom was killing it and they just pulled him out and he looked like he was ready to go in for, I think they pulled him out in the middle of the set and right after the seven. No, right after the the There was no need to pull him. If he was doing good, they shouldn't have pulled him. His his pitch count was low. I don't know why they pull him. I, why they pulled him. I think it was something like he hadn't pitched in a while. 
I don't know. That's it not the point. It was a stupid thing to do because once they pulled Jacob DeGrom, they started to give up runs. Bryce Harper came up. Bryce Harper did what Bryce Harper does, got the Phillies back up, got the Phillies to beat, got the Phillies to beat the Mets and got back runs in. Right. So they should have just left All he in. did was he got hit by a pitch. It was like Reese Hoskins and company. But what the point is like they 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 were messing with what was working. DeGrom was pitching good. They took him out. Fine. Then the next guy, he pitched nine pitches, not a single run allowed. You should keep him in when he's only pitching nine pitches. See what works. If he gives up a hit, maybe take him out. But nine pitches is not a lot of pitches. You got to keep him in. There, there's no reason to put in another guy who's going to blow it. The bullpen is not that strong. They need to stick with what they know is going to do well. It's, you know, the Yankees. What happened with them? They're like, they're, I mean, their record, they played more games than the Mets, but they, they just have not been performing well. What happened? They like the first season, the first series, they lost two or three. Next series, they swept the Orioles. No, they won two or three against the Orioles. Then they lost two of three against the race. They're inconsistent. They're underperforming. It's But yeah, I think yeah, it's it's going on for the Mets too. The Mets are being very inconsistent as well. Like we are we have the good pitches. We have we have Jacob DeGrom. We just got Francisco Lindor who's gonna step up and do something for the team. And he- Well, we hope he steps up. Yeah. That's a lot of money to not step not- up. Yeah. He's played five games. Let's That's, all relax. Yeah, it's, a, it's still there. It's a very, 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 like this time for the Mets, we've seen this before. Right. We've seen the Mets not do well in the beginning of the season. Hopefully that's the case for this season. I mean, yeah. I'm, the Mets, like they have the, they have the, what it takes. They, they, that's a lie. Um, I don't know. I don't think it's necessary, necessarily a lie. I think it's just like, yes, they have some of the good materials to win. It's just that they don't use them. And the bullpen's a problem. The bullpen needs to get together. The, the bullpen yeah. needs to figure out a path and figure out what they need to do to not get runs on, obviously. Right. I mean, but the bullpen has been a problem for years. So yeah. it's... They something needs to happen with the bullpen, whether it's a change to the bullpen or they just need to start being more consistent in wins and saving games instead of blowing games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Input, Teddy? No, not really. That's just it's yeah. All they the, have to figure it out. The the just the overall about it that this is the very this is very very early into the season. The Mets have played five games. You can't right. judge a team based off five games. Right. I think it's not like they're 10 games into the season. I mean, even 10 games you can't judge, but still. Yeah. It's very early. The Mets can kick it up. They can do it. And hopefully they will. Mm -hmm. I want to say they will, but I'm saying hopefully because. Yeah. And if you think about it, I saw something today that was like the 86 Mets were two and three. So, not that that has anything to do with it, but. You can't can't be like, well, well, the 86 Mets were two and three. Mm -mm. That was an exception. They started out the season badly. This team, this team, this is nothing new. They do this every year. Sure, they could win the World Series. They're not eliminated, but that is not. 
that has nothing to do with it. In 2015, people were like, well, in 1986, the Red Sox started the season to uh, started the started the World Series up to nothing, and that's what the Royals did. Well, guess what? The Mets lost in five games. Okay, fair let's, enough. Fair enough. Let's walk before we run. Let's hope they win another game. Okay. Yeah. 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 We don't even know if they're gonna make the, the play. The main thing overall, it's very early. The Mets can kick it up. And they could kick it up if the bullpen just needs to get figured things out and yeah. step up. It's simple as that. As the starting pitchers have been consistent-ish, it's really the bullpen, the, the bullpen that comes in and just blows it. Yeah, but at the same time, you look at these things and it's like you can blame it on the bullpen, but at the end of the day, they had a two-nothing lead. You can also blame it on the on the hitters. That's another problem that must have always had. I know I said my thing about the bullpen and you got to hold on to it. But if you really want to win, it's the hitting and the getting on the base. You need to score as well. Two runs is nothing to be like, yes, you're allowed to be mad about that because they scored because they gave up five runs. But you but it is a little hard to be like two like a two run cushion and act like that is. Right, like a 10-run cushion. That's a good cushion. Two runs, someone could hit a two-run homer, and then that, there you go. Exactly. So it's also the hitting and the getting on base and the scoring, as, as well as the bullpen. So it's a combination of just getting back to the basics. Exactly. So let's see what happens. This has been Baseball with Gold and Silver and guest Molly Cohen. Thank you for listening to this episode of Gold and Silver. What a great episode we had. We had not one, but two guests. That's fun. We will be back next week. We are thinking about moving our episode day to Tuesday instead of or Monday. Thursday. Hopefully. And we will be back next week with all things New York sports. I'm Molly. I'm Chetty. And we'll see you and next time. Thanks for Bye, listening. Bye, guys. Bye.